Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine and sponsored by Steer. In the Oil Patch is where together we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas, business, and in your community. Every week, our host, Kim Bilotto, along with me, Alvin Bailey, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. Welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bilotto. We have a great show for you today. Our guest today is none other than Commissioner Ryan Sitton. We'll be catching up with him on a tour that we took with him in Houston, Texas with Tejas Tubular, along with Linda McMahon, the administrator of the SBA. But first, I want to catch up with our resident energy expert and associate editor of Shell Magazine, David Blackman. David, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you today? Good. I'm glad to hear you. Uh, I understand you were a little under the weather a couple of days ago. Uh, I was. I had a nasty little flu bug there for a couple of days. It was no fun at all. Well, it started from Vegas, from what I remember. So <laughs> what happened in Vegas doesn't necessarily stay in Vegas. Yeah. Something came back with you. Yeah. <laughs> well... <laughs> Um, we have some uh, great things to talk about. A lot of things are happening under President Trump and his administration. Uh, but before we start talking about uh, EPA and Trump, let's talk about um, we've had a significant increase in permit applications in September. Uh, they're actually up. Um, so tell me a little bit about what do you think is triggering this? Is this a normal cycle and, and why are we seeing this and how is this uh, beneficial to us if it is beneficial to us? Well, it's a good thing, no doubt about that. Uh, permit applications were up about 25% in September from August. Um, That's a big not, jump, right? I mean, That 25%. is a big jump and, and uh, we, we do see this happen uh, about this time every year. Uh, although this is a pretty significant jump. What happens is companies, you know, have goals and targets for the number of permit applications uh, they get filed and approved each year. And so when you get close to the fourth quarter of the year, people, you know, start getting nervous about meeting their targets. And uh, you see a significant uptick in the, in the number of permit filings that take place because it does take, you know, uh, some time in, in each state to get permits approved and People are wanting to get their targets in before the end of the year, so that's a part of it. Uh, whether it's all of it, I, I don't know. We did, you know, we we've, we've had the price strengthen up a little bit here um, uh, over the month of September, and I mean, it's you know, it's not way up, but it, but it has gone up 10 percent during the month of September, and and maybe companies are planning to activate a few more drilling rigs here between now and the end of the year as well. And then the other factor, too, is that everybody seems to be anticipating uh, a continuation of the OPEC agreement to, to limit exports and anticipating uh, a stronger crude oil price in 2018. And so companies may be, you know, planning uh, uh, well ahead and getting permits uh, in place so that they can increase their drilling in the first quarter of 2018. So. You know, a lot of different moving parts there, but it's good news regardless. Well, it's certainly, um, well, let's hope so. I mean, you know, uh, later on in the show, we will have Commissioner uh, Ryan Sinton on, who we uh, took a tour yesterday in Houston of a company that really had experienced damage from Hurricane Harvey. But one of the things, obviously, is 
this industry has really been hurt uh, due to the low prices and um, they're weathering out a storm. Of course, they didn't need Harvey. And so uh, I hope for the energy industry and for all of the small businesses that are uh, working and engaging in big oil that, that this price you know rebounds pretty quick and they're able to get back to work and things start um, normalizing because you know it's, it's been a long two years that this it price, really has. it's been a very difficult uh, time for a lot of companies I, I look back at a lot of the advertisers when when we started shale um, you know some of them a lot of them are out of business and so I'm looking forward to um, seeing businesses that main, maintained and managed the bad storm to come back and, and be even greater uh, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about the EPA so the administrator, Scott Pruitt, announced that his agency will be rescinding the pres- President Obama's clean power plan and writing new regulation to replace it. Does this mean that the Trump administration will be able to save the coal industry? Well, that's part of what they're doing there. They're trying. Uh, the, the president promised during his campaign, uh, you know, uh, the, the coal industry was really battered. Uh, during the Obama years, and a lot of jobs were lost in that industry in Kentucky and West Virginia, Wyoming, and other parts of the country. And the president did promise to do what he could to revive that industry in his administration. And so part of, of trying to do that is to rescind this clean power plan, which actually has never actually gone into effect because it's been held up by the courts. Um, it's currently under a, a stay issued by the Supreme Court because the Supreme Court expects that it will be ruled unconstitutional. And and so while the environmental community is all up in arms about the administration's plan to repeal and replace this thing, um, reality is uh, it needs to be replaced because the courts are going to overrule it anyway. Um, is it going to save the coal industry? No, it's not going to save the coal industry. Uh, it, it may help the coal industry somewhat. But the reality is that that coal's biggest customer in the United States is power plants, all the coal-fired power plants in Texas and around the country. And, you know, these power-generating companies have already made billion-dollar economic uh, decisions to retire a certain um, category of these plants, older plants that were built uh, before 1983 typically and have outlived their useful life and are too expensive to retrofit with new scrubbing equipment to lower their emissions, these plants are all going to be retired. And and these economic decisions have all been made. Uh, We just saw Luminant last week announce it's shutting down its Monticello plant up in northeast Texas. And they're doing it not because of regulation, but because it doesn't make economic sense to try to operate that plant anymore. And it's going to be replaced. The good news for the oil and gas industry is it's going to be replaced with combined cycle natural gas power generating capacity. And and that's, you know, natural gas is going to replace 90% of these coal plants. And that's such a great thing. I, I mean, I'm not trying to, you know, hit the coal industry over the head here or be too tough on them, but natural gas just burns cleaner. And um, it's a really good substitute or replacement for coal. So... The environmentalists and uh, the community, you know, we should all be grateful that we're moving in this direction as far as, uh, you know, environmental-wise. It's, it's, a, it's a great solution. Now, one thing the administration is doing that's going to help save and, and actually revive some coal jobs is its focus on uh, 
you know, the energy dominance program and, and the focus on encouraging exports of, of United States energy resources like coal and oil and natural gas. Um, and the administration has been working very hard to do what it can to facilitate those exports. And you're seeing a, a great revival in, in the uh, creation of new markets for coal to be exported to China and, and India and other countries that need co to import coal to fire their own power industry. So, I mean, the, the administration is helping the coal industry to some extent. It's just not going to be able to prevent these coal plants from, from shutting down because those those decisions have been made in the marketplace, and, and that's going to happen. So, Right, long before the Trump administration came in. I, yeah. I want to stay on the topic of Trump. Uh, President Trump issued an executive order uh, on October the 12th, and uh, basically it was um, an order that was going to allow small businesses and individuals uh, to purchase or form health associations and purchase insurance across state lines. Tell me how this is going to affect the oil and gas business, because there is a lot of, of, of the small, mid-sized businesses that probably have have had to endure a lot of the regulation from the Obama administration that has not been positive for these businesses. Right. And so one of the big restrictions we've had in the healthcare industry, because insurance companies wanted it, uh, is restriction of forming these kinds of associations across state lines and uh, the, the restrictions against being able to buy insurance policies across state lines. And that was already uh, corrected a few weeks ago. So you combine that with, with this new order that allows businesses, small businesses, small oil and gas companies, or any other kind of business to form associations with other like-kind businesses or individuals, you know, to, to pool together to demand certain kinds of insurance policies and force these insurance companies to offer benefits at lower premiums. Uh, that's a great marketplace concept, and it's a way to uh, offset the, the impacts of Obamacare, which which has been to just put millions of people out of the uh, insurance market entirely because they can't afford it, and it's been cheaper for so many healthy young people to simply pay the Obamacare penalty of $2,500 a year instead of paying a premium that might cost them four times that for insurance coverage they don't need. So this is going to enable those kinds of businesses and individuals to pull together, uh, you know, to in the marketplace to demand lower premiums and better health insurance policies and more fit their needs. Um, supporters of Obamacare hate it because it's, you know, they want to, cap to hold all these young people who are healthy captive and force them into the Obamacare market. Um, so that they can pay premiums for insurance they don't need to support people who are older and less healthy than they are. And that's the whole essence of Obamacare in a nutshell. So it's, it's, um, it's a great approach, a market-based approach. Uh, Obamacare is going away eventually anyway, and so this is the kind of market-based solution that we really kind of need in this country and needed for a long time. Well, thank goodness that Senator Rand Paul has been heading this up because, you know, he's been a great supporter of really saying we when you will know that it is good and fair for the American people when they're when you are able to purchase insurance across state lines and until that happens really you know in my opinion there's no reason why you can't buy except they're telling us so it's a great thing um, to be able to purchase it's going to drive down the cost and it's really free market at its best so I'm glad he was 
able to help the president achieve this, even though sometimes I wonder about the Republican Party and, and who is not listening to the American people and their will to get the Obama <laughs> insurance uh, nightmare, get find a solution for it. Um, but I'm sure that uh, voters will probably remember that when it comes time for voting. Uh, but, David, that's all the time that we have for, for now, and I look forward to talking to you next week again when we will be talking all energy and uh, public policy on In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And with that, we do have to take a quick break. You are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com, or you can call us, 210-240-7188. Again, that's 210-240-7188. You are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is uh, one of the Texas Railroad Commissioners, Commissioner Ryan Sinton. Commissioner Sitton, you've been on the show before in the past, and I want to welcome you back. Uh, we have some great uh, things to discuss pertaining to Harvey and some of the uh, work that you've been doing out in the community to help people that are affected with Harvey. So welcome to the show. Thanks, Kim. It's always good to be with you and to visit with you and to get a chance to let your listeners know what's happening uh, around the state. You know, there was three major hurricanes that hit the Gulf Coast. And obviously, uh, we're very familiar right now and very sensitive probably to uh, hurricanes, uh, tropical storms. Uh, There were so many people that really were affected in some of the most devastating ways. I wanted to bring you on the show because you as a Texas Railroad Commissioner actually got to see the impact from a standpoint of the energy sector, since since the Texas Railroad Commission is the uh, agency that oversees oil and gas from an oil and gas side as well as from a consumer protection side, it's real important to see you guys out there working towards understanding what the energy companies need to do and, of course, to protect the community. So the first thing I want to ask you is tell me a little bit about before Harvey, preparing for Harvey, uh, all of South Texas was affected. It looked like Rockport was going to be uh, taking the direct hit. What did you see in the way of oil and gas? What did you see occurring with these industries, and how did the Railroad Commission assist them, if any? Well, keep in mind that the Railroad Commission regulates predominantly upstream, so exploration and production and pipeline. However, because this industry is so integrated, then you pull oil or natural gas out of the ground, it goes into a pipeline, gets sent to a fractionator or a refinery, uh, it then gets put back into a pipeline, sent to a terminal facility, where it's hauled by trucks to a gas station. So those, all of those steps have to happen uh, in order for the industry to continue to thrive. And when a, an event of this magnitude comes through, all aspects of the industry are affected. So in this particular instance, uh, I spent a lot of time connecting with and talking to people across the supply chain from the oil and well oil oil wellhead to the gas station about what they were seeing so that we could be prepared to address the issues as that came up. You know, one of the things that I think was really telling about this storm was you know, we knew as of you know, probably 48 hours before it actually hit Corpus Christi and uh, and Rockport 
we knew it, it was going to be a Category 4, maybe even a Category 5. We knew there was going to be large-scale impacts. And so you saw folks across the industry, once again, from oil and gas productions to pipeline facilities uh, to refineries, all taking steps to mitigate risk. I mean, in Corpus Christi alone, the three refineries in Corpus Christi and the one just north of, of Corpus Christi in Three Rivers uh, all shut down before the hurricane hit because they wanted to make sure that they were saving off risk. Uh, we heard that somewhere between a third and a half of the wells in Eagleford were shut in uh, at least for a few days to brace for the impact. We know that pipelines that were carrying uh, gasoline from the Corpus Christi area up to Dallas and up to San Antonio uh, were taken offline, all to prepare for and be prepared for the hurricane when it hit. Now, one thing that we didn't understand or we didn't anticipate the magnitude of was the amount of flooding that would occur not in Corpus Christi, but a few days later as the storm really parked over Houston. I mean, we knew it was going to hit Houston. We knew it was going to move over the coast, up the coastline. But the you know, 50 inches of rain that hit parts of Houston and caused just unprecedented flooding, we had, we'd never seen that before. So now what you saw was after all of the initial impacts in uh, in the in the Corpus Christi and South Texas areas, now you saw Houston. And now an additional you know, dozen refineries either shut down or took their took parts of their facilities offline. You saw major pipelines like the Magellan and the Explorer pipelines, which were two of the which are two of the biggest gasoline pipelines in the state, also came offline. So over the course of that week long period, from the time the hurricane was a couple days out to the time it finally moved inland, uh, we saw the largest footprint of the oil and gas industry ever affected by a natural disaster. You know, as a person in the community, everyone was prepping in those areas, their homes personally. And I don't think that we could wrap our mind around what was going to happen in that event, much less what was going to happen afterwards. And how would it affect our lives, even if we were able to uh, make it through the storm with no damage, relatively any damage to our own, our own homes personally, which mine did get affected. Um, you 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 really couldn't comprehend. Well, this is going to impact me, even if it doesn't impact my personal home in the way of shortages at the pump. And I want to talk a little about that because it was to me it was an eye opening experience because. Commissioner Sinton, I still remember when I was a child waiting in line in Houston when we had an oil shortage, and it was a, a very scary time because these hour these lines were three hours long, waiting to try to get gas, and that was of course that le- what led into the um, embargo. But many people don't remember what it looks like when we are you know running out of oil and why shale and what's happening is so important right now and how great it is for the United States. But one of the things I noticed was that you took the leadership uh, on helping the average day person understand we're not really running out of gas, even though gas isn't at your gas station (laughs) and all of that stuff that came along with it. And when we come back from break, I want to talk to you about your leadership and what you thought uh, about what was happening and and the great way that you took control of this topic. Uh, You are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Managers, bosses, supervisors, hey, flu season is here. Don't let the flu bug bite your employees. 
banish sick days and keep your workforce strong, healthy, and productive with Baptist Healthy Solutions, your answer to convenient and affordable health care that comes to you. Our mobile health unit delivers on-site, state-of-the-art, comprehensive care that keeps your employees healthy from the day they're hired till the day they retire. Trust Baptist Healthy Solutions with your workforce health care needs. Health care that comes to you. Call 866-334-2485. Again, that's 866-334-2485. The vision of the Women's Energy Network is to be the premier organization that educates, attracts, retains, and develops professional women working across the value chain. Also known as WEN, our mission is to develop programs that provide networking opportunities and foster career and leadership development of women who work in the energy industry. Thousands of women are breaking ground in energy industry careers every year and 4,000 of them are already members of the Women's Energy Network across our 14 chapters. Members receive exclusive access to mentoring, job boards, group discussions, member-only networking events, expert speaking engagements, and more. Join today by visiting womensenergynetwork.org slash Houston or call 1-855-390-0650. The Women's Energy Network, empowering women in energy. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Commissioner Ryan Sitton of the Texas Railroad Commission. Ryan, before the break, I was talking about how you publicly came out immediately from when it started to hit the internet and and social media sites about how there seemed to be gas shortages running out all over the city in San Antonio and some in Houston and kind of all over the state. You took immediate control of this situation and started talking and going on uh, radio shows, wherever you could to talk to the people to try to calm and explain what was going on. Tell me what was going on and, and tell me what your thoughts were. Well, it's a great question, and it was confusing to a lot of people. And a minute ago, Kim, you mentioned, or before you took a break, about what happened in the 1970s. To reference that real quickly, in the 1970s, when the Middle East oil embargo happened in 1973, then again in 77, we really were low on gasoline. I mean, there just wasn't enough gasoline in the country compared to what people wanted to burn. That was not the case four weeks ago. Uh, we have about 230 million barrels of gasoline, or to put it another way, nearly 10 billion gallons of gasoline in storage in the United States right now. That is, yeah, it, it is. It is literally, you know, two months of gasoline in storage in the United States today. And even when the refineries that shut down during Harvey shut down. The refineries that were still running were producing more than enough gasoline for the state of Texas. So we did not have a gasoline shortage. What we had was a supply chain issue. And here's what happened. The panic started because people remember from the 1970s. And when they started hearing we might run out of gas, they ran to the gas station. They filled up all the cars that they had. They filled up trash cans, ice chests, water storage containers, everything they could get their hands on, they were filling up. Well, Even if there had been no hurricane and if no refineries had shut down, if everybody did that same thing today, the gas stations would have gone out of gas because the average gas station or the average person fills up their car every 12 days. When they all do it today, there's not enough gas at the terminal facilities to get the gasoline back to the gas stations the very next day. So as you saw, this happened over about a week, and it took about a week for the gas stations to get all of their gasoline back, and all of a sudden the scare was over. But what I was trying to do was to come on and help people understand that we have plenty of gasoline 
and that all we have to do is get it to gas stations. And if people could, you know, I get that it's scary, right? When you think about running out of gasoline, that's a scary thing. But if people understand the reality, they know the facts that maybe can kind of go back to their normal buying habits. And in a couple of days, it was all going to be past us. Well, I agree with you on that, but I do think that now because of these social media sites that we didn't have before in the 70s, information spreads like lightning. And if we don't have great leadership talking to the people to try to calm them, and and I think that that was one of the things that I appreciated the most. We were sharing what you were putting out there as fast as we could because it, it was a little, it was a new thing. And I don't necessarily know if everyone was prepared in the way of oil and gas to answer and start, you know, speaking up about this is not a panic. This is just a temporary thing because of logistics and what the situation we're in, calm down. Uh, but you, you know, it was an amazing job you did, and, and I'm glad that you did it. And I think we need to continue to look at leaders who will speak up and talk and try to help the community understand what's going on. I, I want to switch gears, though, because yesterday we attended an, a, an event that you hosted uh, in Houston, Texas. And um, I was I was happy to see, uh, Ryan, the fact that as a commissioner, you're still embracing and understanding people are still being affected personally in their homes, but there's also a lot of oil and gas companies that have also been affected because of Hurricane Harvey. And uh, the event that we attended uh, was put on by a company, uh, Tejas Tubular, who actually has been personally impacted and has an impact on their business. And so understanding that most of oil and gas folks, uh, businesses have truly experienced a lot just with the downward turn, with lower prices, it's very competitive. Uh, if they weren't, you know, everybody's kind of already dealing with that and just trying to maintain and here comes Hurricane Harvey. Uh, and so I want to uh, give you a few minutes to talk about what was uh, the event that we attended yesterday and why did you feel it was important to put this on? And of course, uh, having uh, uh, the administrator of the uh, Small Business Administration, Linda McManus, is no small thing to attend and actually do an on-site visit. So we're going to cut for break real quick. When we come back, I want to get into that subject. You are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Have you heard of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, the largest state association in the country? 87 years strong, serving independence, and it's right here in Texas. Offices in Houston, Austin, and Wichita Falls. Over 3,000 members of all ages like you who are in the oil and gas industry or who have family members and friends who are. Company members range from one employee to large independents. Lobbying, networking events, and saving you money. For a membership tailored just to fit your budget, contact Sandy Simon at sandis at texasalliance.org or call 281-997-7223. That's 281-997-7223. PISA is the Petroleum Equipment and Services Association who is the unified voice for the energy industry's service, supply, and manufacturing organizations, advocating and supporting continued achievements in job creation, technological innovation, and economic stability. PISA provides corporate membership opportunities in two categories, industry and allied. Over the years, a lot of amazing companies have become members of PISA, but don't take my word for it. Click on the directory on their website and see for yourself. In order to become a member of PISA, all you need to do is go to PESA.org, click on the membership tab, and fill out an application. 
Once again, that's PESA.org. Oil Field Experts is the only place you need to go to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oil field equipment needs. Specializing in hard-to-find oil field parts for your fleet maintenance needs, Oil Field Experts have been providing parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us to get the right part right now. Here's the number, so write it down. Oil Field Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Commissioner Ryan Sinton. Ryan, before the break, we were talking about uh, an event that you hosted yesterday with Tejas Tubular, a company, a, a service company that's been affected by the oil and gas that's in Houston, Texas. Talk to me a little bit about what the event was about yesterday. Well, as you said in your opening about it, Tim, you know, there are a lot of people, a lot of businesses that were affected by the hurricane. And there are a few mechanisms that government can use to help the rebuilding process. One of the best ones is low-interest loans because it's not the government giving away money. It's the government recognizing that there are high-performing companies that have a lot of stability and a great track record, but due to a natural disaster are going to struggle to make the next year work. And those are a lot of jobs. A lot of and, and a lot of good supplies to industry that need to be sustained. So, in this case, the Small Business Administration can directly fund low interest loans that help these companies get quick quick access to capital, get their business back up and running, and then they pay those loans back. So the government is not out any money. It's a great program. And Linda McMahon, being the administrator of the SBA, is responsible for facilitating that overall initiative. So, we invited her down. We toured a facility that makes tubing for the oil and gas industry, and it gave me an opportunity not just to interact with Linda and to showcase a great business, with which Max Tejada, his company, Tejas Tubular, they've been in business for over 30 years, got a fantastic track record, have gone through multiple ups and downs, and have sustained. And to not only let her see a small business that is just a great example of the American dream and, and an example of thriving economy in Texas, but also give her a glimpse of the supply chain in the oil business, because if you don't have tubing, you don't have oil. oil. It, was, it was a chance to explain to her, just give her a glimpse of what happens in the oil business and that all these intricate companies that are placed all around the Houston area, many of which were affected, are essential to the entire state's and even the nation's energy security. So we got to showcase both of those things, had great discussions. She asked really great questions. And I uh, really appreciate Max Tejada for opening up his facility, letting, letting us take an on-the-ground tour, seeing their, their forming processes, uh, their threading processes, really how they make tubing for the oil field. It was great. Well, you know, one of the questions that um, I did get to ask her was the importance of, um, you know, we all know that Trump's initiative, uh, it used to be when Obama was in office, it was... Uh, energy independence was the mantra that that everyone was kind of throwing around. Now it's energy dominance directly coming from President Trump. And one of the questions I thought was, is there an, an understanding at that level of how crucial Houston is to get back on track, especially in Texas? And if we're going to achieve energy dominance, Houston is the biggest piece of that puzzle so um and I I liked your answer you know it was you probably need to ask President Trump personally which you know that would be an awesome thing to do but 
she, I think overall kind of understood, um, we're here to help all businesses. We're here to help anyone that's been affected uh, due to Hurricane Harvey, and we're here to provide resources, low interest rates. Uh, one of the things I didn't, I wasn't aware of, is that they also obviously are helping homeowners as well. So through FEMA and that connection, they 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 are designed to help both either businesses and or, and I did not know this, could help homeowners as well if need be, in in the way of uh, loans as well, to help get their structure or outside their their homestead. Uh, built back up to whatever it was before the hurricane hit. Uh, Inside of this meeting as well, you know, we talked about um, Tejas Tubular themselves as a company and and they have been around for over 30 years they've gone up and down they've this isn't their first rodeo where where they are but tell me what compelled you to pick this company um or were you just by chance aware of this company and uh, and their need was there anything behind why this company was selected versus another company well first of all i, I have to say max tejada and i have known each other for probably seven years i mean as you know kim i've been in the oil business 20 years have made just great friends, great connections. And when we connected with uh, the SBA administrator and we talked about what we thought would be good for her to see, I wanted her to see a business that did not need a government handout. Right? This was a business that has been in business, as I said, over 30 years, has gone through probably six or seven ups and downs in the industry, has survived all of them, has thrived, has had as many as like 800 employees. I think they're about 300 right now. You know, they... These guys are doing, it and they, they don't need a government handout. We wanted somebody also who was who had a long history in the oil business, really had had seen a lot of different aspects of it, uh, and and that way a, a business that represented from a government perspective, if you make this loan, you know you're going to get your money back. So this is a very low risk way for government to help rebuild from Harvey at the same time, not have to actually shell out any money long-term that this money is going to come back. So it was, it was an example of just a, a great story and a great business that people like Linda and her, her team can feel very confident making loans to. So when you look at all those criteria, I've been in business a long time in the oil business. We knew them. We knew their track record it made them a great fit for this uh, event. Now, one of the things that Ms. McMahon discussed was how much, how many loans have been made specifically into the Houston area, which it's good to see because Houston is just vital. In my opinion, it's vital to the oil and gas industry, and it's vital just as one of the largest cities in Texas. It needs to be operating and functional. But the amount that they were discussing was that alone, it has toppled. They've given out over $1 billion as of October the 10th. So it's good to see that they are doing great things. They're getting the resources out there to people to help them rebuild, and it looks like Houston is, is well on their way. Uh, to rebuilding and getting back to normal. Commissioner Sitton, I'd like to thank you for being a guest today. Thank you for letting us share your story of, uh, of what happened in Houston yesterday with Tejas Tubular and, of course, uh, having the administrator of the SBA, Linda McMahon, walk through and do an on-site visit for one of these companies that were affected by Hurricane Harvey. Thank you for, for coming and talking to us today. Well, thank you, Kim. As I said, it's always good to visit with you. Thanks for everything you guys are doing. And As always, I'll look forward to the next time we get to visit. And with that, we do have to take a quick break. You are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Farmers and ranchers are the hardest-working people on earth. 
and deserve a side-by-side -side vehicle that works just as hard. That's why Yamaha makes the Viking an all-new Viking 6, the world's first true three- and six-person UTVs assembled in America. Ranked number one in drivetrain durability, Viking outworks and outclasses the competition in features, comfort, and off-road capability. For more, visit YamahaViking.com. Most dependable claim based on a 2013 Yamaha Source side-by-side -side owner study. The vision of the Women's Energy Network is to be the premier organization that educates, attracts, retains, and develops professional women working across the value chain. Also known as WEN, our mission is to develop programs that provide networking opportunities and foster career and leadership development of women who work in the energy industry. Join today by visiting womensenergynetwork.org slash Houston or call 1-855-390-0650. The Women's Energy Network, empowering women in energy. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. We just concluded our guest, Commissioner Ryan Sinton, who had put together an on-site walkthrough for an oil and gas service company called Tejas Tubular. And in attendance, along with Commissioner Sinton, was Linda McMahon, the administrator of the Small Business Administration, and, you know, to walk through the uh, facility in itself to see the damage that they had endured through Hurricane Harvey, in which the building had about three feet of water damage in it. And it's a huge facility that is really responsible for providing a lot of tubular piping for the oil and gas out in the field to make sure these rigs are up and running. It's a pretty important company. Um, and so to see Linda McMahon attend herself, do the walkthrough, understand the importance of getting these companies a low interest loan that they need to rebuild and get their shops open again, um, it's really been a, a great thing to see. And understanding that um, through the Small Business Administration, uh, in the wake of Hurricane Harvey, the amount that they have, uh, the loans that they have lent out has toppled over $1 billion. Yes, folks, that's a billion dollars. And a lot of it has actually gone into the city of Houston. Um, so it's good to see that this resource that we have that's set up by the government is actually doing uh, what they need to be doing to getting the resources and the money back out to the businesses and the homeowners as well. It turns out that the Small Business Administration also when a uh, individual that's been affected by Hurricane Harvey or another hurricane fills out their information with FEMA, which there is a limited time, folks, to do this. Um, if you don't qualify for the government assistance that is given because they look at income, then they will forward you on and uh, to the SBA, and from there they'll begin the process of seeing, well, how can we get you a very, very low interest rate loan to help you rebuild, whether it's your business and or your, your home, your exterior of your home, things that really need to get put back into place. Um, and so it's a great resource to have. I do know, and I, I wanted to cover, that the deadline uh, for applying for property damage is approaching quickly. It's October 24th. And then, of course, you can apply for economic injury um, as late as May 25th, 2018. So I wanted to cover some very important times. If you have been affected by Harvey, your business and or your home, you should apply. Um, and we have some uh, windows of time to do that. A deadline for applying for property damage is October 24th. So that's right around the corner, folks. Um, if you need to apply, you should do it quickly. 
Um, if you think you need assistance in some way through FEMA or a loan, uh, you should be applying by October 24th. And then also um, the deadline to apply for economic injury is actually for May 25th, 2018. So, you know, in, in looking at um, this incredible walkthrough, the company itself, how the SBA has been uh, openly uh, discussing how uh, to get access to these funds, what is, uh, what are, what's the nature of it. I, I go back to just saying good leadership really matters. And to see uh, Commissioner Sinton put together this walkthrough for Tejas Tubular, who's been in business for over 30 years, with Linda McMahon, the actual administrator uh, assigned or appointed by the Trump administration, and seeing the great work that she's really doing of visiting all these different areas. Uh, she's making her way around the state and even um, in other states that have been affected by other hurricanes. Uh, they are on the job. FEMA's done very well. The Small Business Administration has done very well in, in trying to make sure that people understand the benefits that they're entitled to and the resources. So, you know, I, I hear a lot of times that there are individuals discussing uh, right now there are people literally walking away from their homes it could be in the Katy area or um, in areas that had high dollar homes and didn't have flood insurance and I'm here to say that that's not the solution folks stay in your home there are resources out there we've had um, Marco Flores on our show uh, an attorney that works with homeowners to try to get the maximum benefit by insurance uh, carriers, if you didn't listen to that show, you can always go to shellmag.com and listen to his show in which he talks about things that are available and, um, and, and, and how he can assist as well as you have FEMA. You register with them. They look at your application one person at a time and they basically uh, determine if you're a high income earner, you may not apply. Or, I mean, you may not qualify for FEMA benefits per se but you would qualify for an SBA loan because remember these are loans that you would have to pay back at a relatively very, very low interest rate. Um, so a lot of people are taking advantage of it. So um, hopefully we will see Houston, Rockport, uh, Portland, Gregory, all of, the sh all of the areas that have been badly hit due to Hurricane Harvey get back on their feet uh, we will continue to have people on the show that basically have been affected um, or have information on how to help people that are being affected in negative ways to uh, access information as well as uh, grants or loans, subsidies that are there to get you guys back on your um, feet. I also do welcome you guys to contact us if you are having a problem or you need a question answered. We do believe we have access to the right people to get your information in front of them. And if you want to hear more on the show about certain specific topics, rather it be Hurricane Harvey and or an oil and gas topic or business topic, uh, I'm encouraging you to email us because in 2018, we will be modifying the show just a little bit to encompass different things in our show. So we're really excited about the change. And so we look forward to hearing your comments, questions, and uh, interest of what you'd like to see uh, in 2018 with the In the Oil Patch radio show. And with that, it is now trivia time. Hey, be the first person to email the correct answer of this trivia question to radio at shellmag.com. Again, that's radio at shale, S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com. And win yourself a $100 gift certificate to Fogo de Chao, a Brazilian steakhouse. 
The trivia question today is, what is Linda McMahon's title at the SBA? Remember to be the first person to email the correct answer to radio at shellmag.com and you will win yourself a $100 gift certificate to Fogo the Child, the amazing Brazilian steakhouse. Well, folks, that's all the time we have for this show, but be sure to like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash in the oil patch radio show or like us on Twitter at shellmag. That's going to wrap up another great show this week. We look forward to talking to you next week in which we will bring you more exciting news and insightful interviews. Until then, adios. In the Oil Patch is where together we learn and explore topics that affect us all in oil and gas, business, and in your community. Every week, our host, Kim Bilotto, along with me, Alvin Bailey, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.